Would you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. The message is entitled, Children and the Kingdom of God. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. Would you stand please for the reading of God's Word? Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Lord, give us insight by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would change us, that we would look more like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord blessed us with our firstborn son in August of 1995. And by 1998, we had a daughter. In 2000, we had another daughter. And when we would go out to restaurants, I can remember when we had one child, everybody would come up to us and say, oh, isn't he cute? Isn't he adorable? And then when we had two children, they would talk about how cute they were. But when we had three children, people started saying things like this. Don't you know how that happens? If you want to know how I responded, come Wednesday evening to the open Bible study, and I'll tell you how I responded. I learned this because it shut their mouths real quick and made them blush, and so you'll probably blush on Wednesday when I tell you what I said. The Lord blessed us with two more children after that. Uh, We have five wonderful children, and we love children. And and if you have a biblical view of children today, that you believe that they are a gift from the Lord, a blessing of the Lord, a heritage of the Lord, you will be running against the stream of our culture. For many in our culture, children are an inconvenience. They're expensive. They get in the way, they run when they shouldn't be running, they talk when they shouldn't be talking, and they're a bother to many. But the problem is they're a bother to many in the church. The very place where we should understand the role of children and how we are to raise up a godly heritage, raise up the next generation that they would set their hope in God, that we're to teach them in the home, when they lie down, when they rise, when we walk along the way, when we sit at the dinner table, 
And as a church family, as a community, we're to help one another raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we see God's plan for the family, that it would be generation upon generation upon generation until all the nations know of the saving love of Jesus Christ. John Piper says this, if you are receiving the kingdom yourself like a little child, then you will not do anything to hinder little children from coming to Jesus. But if you're trying to enter the kingdom some other way, then by receiving it like a child, then you will probably be a hindrance to children. If you are not childlike toward God, he says, children will probably be beneath you and not worth your time. Children were beneath even the disciples at this point, and Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom of God. I want us to see three things this morning about children and the kingdom of God. First of all, Jesus loves children and delights to bless them. Number two, Jesus loves children and commands us concerning them. And number three, Jesus loves children and consistently uses them as an example to teach us. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Let's look number one. Jesus loves children and delights to bless them. Look at verses 15 and 16. Now they were bringing even infants. The text says even the babies they were bringing to him. So this was children and even the babies. Parents, probably moms and dads were bringing their children to Jesus to bless them, for him to lay his hands on them, to pronounce a blessing over them. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. There are many blessings throughout all of the scriptures that it would have been very common when a famous rabbi was in town for the parents to bring their children and ask him to bless them. But to many, this was beneath Jesus. He didn't have time for the little children. He was talking about kingdom realities. When the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. We have several other accounts in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and following. Mark tells of the same account, and he says this, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Now, Mark's the only one that gives us this detail, that Jesus had a righteous indignation, a righteous anger that the disciples rebuked them and were hindering the children from coming to Jesus, hindering the parents from bringing their children to Jesus. And he says, let the children come to me 
Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Verse 16 says, And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. The disciples rebuked. Jesus was indignant. And he took the children in his arms and blessed them. He demonstrated his delight to bless them. He demonstrated his love and care for them in that he took them in his arms, despite what the crowds may have thought, and he blessed them. You need to know this, that Jesus loves the children, and he delights to bless them. Anything that we would do in the congregation to hinder the children from coming in the presence of Jesus should produce righteous indignation in all of us because Jesus loves the children and he delights to bless them. It's his good pleasure to bless them. Number two, Jesus loves children and commands us concerning them. Look at verse 16 of Luke chapter 18. But Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Now I want you to notice it, it says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God it doesn't say, for to them belongs the kingdom of God. It says, for to such as these, to those like these belongs the kingdom of God. And, and we'll get there at the end of the message and exactly what he's talking about. I want us to first look at the commands that he gives us. There's two imperatives in here, and I want to take them from the last uh, the last verse. The first or the, the last command is this. Don't prevent them from coming to Jesus. Don't hinder them. Don't get in their way. Don't prevent them from coming to Jesus. Do not hinder them. I want to give us seven ways that will prevent the children from coming to Jesus at Bull Street Baptist Church. Seven ways that will prevent the children from coming to Jesus. Number one, a lack of delight in the things of God. You want to prevent children from coming to Jesus? It will be our lack of delight in the things of God that will keep them from coming to Jesus. A lack of delight in prayer, our own personal prayer lives, our corporate prayer lives. In Bible reading, parents, if your Bible reading lacks delight in front of your children, it will hinder them from coming to Jesus. In corporate worship, can you imagine a child sitting next to his parents and looking up and seeing dad or seeing mom either asleep or with a face that looks like they don't want to be there. Children know. Children know authentic worship. Children know when it's real, when they know that you are delighting in God. And when you delight in God, your children will know it. And when you don't, 
they will know it as well. Number four, in receiving the preached word. If your children are looking at you and expecting you to fold your hands or fold your arms and go to sleep or zone out, that will hinder them from coming to Jesus. They need to see their parents and they need to see the congregation feeding upon the Word of God. I can remember John MacArthur talking about when believers come into, I mean, when unbelievers come into a Christian worship service, they should feel welcome, but they should feel on the outside, on the outside of a sheepfold looking in on a feeding, and they should get hungry. Your children should get hungry watching you feed on the Word of God. And if they don't see that, it will hinder them. A lack of delight in the fellowship of the church. If you don't delight to gather with your church family and when the church is gathering, you can't wait to get there too and bring your children with you, they will pick up on that as well. And finally, a lack of delight in raising up children to know and love Christ. If we don't delight in raising our children up to know Christ and put time and energy into that, it will keep them from coming to Jesus. So number one, a lack of delight in the things of God. Number two, a lack of discipline in teaching the things of God in the home. That means Bible reading with our children in the home, teaching sound theology in the home. Bruce Ware has a book called Big Truths for Young Hearts, and it is a systematic theology that is written to teach children. It is an amazing resource, and he really wrote it because that's the way he taught his two daughters growing up. He sat by their bedside, and he taught them theology. He was a professor of systematic theology, and he taught his children what he was teaching seminary students, but he taught it in a way that they could understand, and he wrote a book in a way that we could teach our children the same things, the same truths that we hold precious we teach our children those same things. It could be through the catechisms that are out there. The Heidelberg Catechism, which Adult 3 went through this past year, which is such a wonderful catechism, is one that was developed to teach children the great things of God. And so that's what they are, is teaching children the things of God. And if our parents are not teaching children at home, it will hinder them from coming to Jesus. But we have to be disciplined. So a lack of discipline in teaching the things of God in the home. Number three, the third way that will pre prevent the children from coming to Jesus is a lack of discipline in bringing children to Sunday school. And I know that it's hard for young parents to get up in the morning and bring their children to Sunday school. But this is one of the ways that we have committed as a church to help our families raise up our children in the nurture, nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's through Sunday school. And it's a precious environment for them to learn together and for them to be loved by the teachers and taught 
the wonderful truths of the faith. And we have faithful teachers in our children's Sunday school. And if you're not bringing your children to Sunday school, you need to change today and start that discipline, that habit, because that is one of the ways that we can raise up the next generation together. Number four, the fourth way that will prevent the children from coming to Jesus is this. Husbands not loving their wives as Christ loved the church and wives not respecting their husbands and not submitting to them out of reverence for Christ. In other words, marriages that don't tell the truth about the beauty of the gospel will hinder children from coming to Jesus. Again, children know what's authentic. They see it. They see what's real. And if you want to give your children a great blessing, you invest in your marriage, you guard your marriage, you get in the Word together and obey the Word together and show them what it looks like. Show them the gospel through your marriage. And if you don't, it will hinder them from coming to Jesus. Number five, grumbling, gossiping, backbiting, unforgiveness, and bitterness in the body of Christ will hinder the children from coming to Jesus. You want to see children that want to run from the church? It's when they've been in a church where they see that the people don't love each other. In fact, what they see is that they hate each other. They lie about each other, they gossip about each other, they grumble and complain, they backbite, and they won't forgive each other, and that will hinder the children from coming to Jesus. Number six, a lack of love and a lack of unity in the leadership of the church. If the elders don't love one another and are not unified together, it will hinder the children from coming to Jesus. And so we need to labor for that unity, to guard the unity, because the enemy always wants to disrupt that unity. Right now, we have the sweetest unity among our elders. It is just glorious and exemplary. And the enemy would love to disrupt that because it will affect the children. It will affect everybody in the congregation, but it will affect the next generation, no doubt. So pray for your elders. And if you're here from another church, pray for your leaders. Because a lack of love and a lack of unity among the leaders will hinder the children from coming to Jesus. And number seven, sexual immorality and unholiness in the leadership of the church and the leadership of the home. Sexual immorality in the leadership, whether it be in the church or the home, will wreck the children. I've seen it so many times in different churches where there was sexual immorality among the leadership, one of the pastors, and a whole generation growing up in the youth group and in the children's ministry walked away from the church. Because it was telling a lie about God. 
The unholiness, the lack of purity was telling a lie about who God is. And it's the same way in the home. Men, you're the pastors of your home. And sexual immorality will wreck your home. And not just of the adulterous kind, I mean of the pornography kind. Not just for the sake of your own soul, but for the sake of your children. Men, put down your phones. Put up guards on your phones. Flee from temptation. Get rid of the pornography. It will wreck your home. And it will keep your children from coming to Jesus. Those are seven ways that will prevent the children from coming to Jesus. And Jesus says, don't prevent the children from coming to me. The other command is to permit them to come. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Let them come. Allow them to come. Open the pathway. Move everything out of the way and let them come to me. So in the same way, I want to give us seven ways that will permit the children to come to Jesus at Bull Street Baptist Church. Number one, by cultivating an atmosphere where children are cherished and welcomed in our gatherings. If a baby cries in our service, it doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I say, hallelujah, there's children in the service. And it shouldn't bother you at all either. We need to have the kind of fellowship and the kind of atmosphere in our church where the children, where we are delighted for the children to be in our midst. And if you're getting irritated and you're getting bothered, then you need to say, Lord Jesus, help me. Because I'm getting bothered by the whimper of a child right now and I know you love the little children and I know you want the little children to come to you and I don't want to be a hindrance and so Lord help my heart right now. We need to cultivate that kind of atmosphere in every gathering that we have that our children are seen as precious. That We would love the children like Jesus does. Number two, by cultivating an atmosphere where children are truly loved and volunteers are delighted to serve them. We need, we need more volunteers in our children's ministry. Remember what Piper said in that quote at the very beginning. He said, if you're not childlike toward God, children will probably be beneath you and not worth your time. And if you feel that way towards the children right now, that they're beneath you and not worth your time, then maybe you're not being childlike towards God and you need to reevaluate yourself as far as your own humility before the Lord. Maybe you need to confess pride and ask the Lord to forgive you of the pride and ask him to give you a humble heart that you would delight in the children. Our volunteers need to be delighted in the children that they serve. And we need to have more people ready to serve. In fact, we should have a line behind Faith Shared. A line that is saying, hey, here am I, here am I, send me, I'm ready whenever you have the need. The longest line in our volunteer list should, should be behind Faith Shared, ready to serve in the nursery ministry and in the children's ministry. 
Number three, by providing safe and secure environments where children are protected from predators. We installed cameras in our, our children's building and the check-in, all of the doors are secure. You have to have a code to access it. There are people waiting to check children in, check families in, and, and we are committed to making sure that our spaces are safe and secure, but also our volunteers. Every volunteer that serves in our children's ministry has to have a volunteer, I mean, a background check. We're gonna do whatever it takes to protect the children, make sure that they are protected from predators. Number four, by raising up teachers and leaders who are equipped and who absolutely love to teach children about the glory of God that is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. If you don't love to teach children about the glory of Jesus Christ, don't volunteer for a teacher role because what we need are, are men and women who are passionate about Jesus and want to share that passion through the teaching of God's Word to the next generation. And if you're passionate about the Word and you're passionate about people knowing Jesus and you would be willing to serve and delight in the children, maybe that's where you need to be serving. We need teachers who are able to articulate, just like Bruce Ware in his systematic theology that's written for children, in a way that communicates clearly the good news of the gospel. How sinners need to repent and turn to Jesus and put their trust in him for forgiveness and the promise of everlasting life. Number five, by joyfully and consistently sharing the good news of the gospel in clear and simple terms and trusting that God is the only one who can give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And we need people who will just faithfully, joyfully, consistently keep telling the gospel. And we'll trust that God, according to his sovereign good pleasure, will open their eyes and that one day they will say, Jesus, I need you. I didn't see it before, but now I see it. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And we'll trust that God will do that in his time. But in the meantime, faithful, consistently, we're just gonna keep telling about the good news of Jesus. Number six, by equipping moms and dads with the training and encouragement they need to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We wanna keep equipping parents, moms and dads, to be able to share the gospel with their children, to be able to raise their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And number seven, finally, by providing helpful and trustworthy resources for parents and for children. If you haven't been downstairs off of Duffy Hallway, we're putting together a wonderful library right now. But it's really not a library, it's a resource center of trust, trusted resources that you could go down there and check out. 
and that will help you in discipleship and parenting, all of these things. And so we want to keep building and adding to that so that our congregation has the resources that we need to raise up the next generation. Permit them to come to Jesus. Don't hinder them from coming to Jesus. Jesus loves the little children and commands us concerning them. Finally, number three, Jesus loves children and consistently uses them as an example to teach us. Go back to verse 16 and 17. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. For to such as these, little children, belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now this section in Luke is coming right on the heels of Jesus telling the parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee, if you go back to verse 9 of chapter 18, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And then Luke places this story about the children right after that. Because it's an example of the humility that Jesus is talking about. Whoever humbles himself like a little child will be exalted. He'll enter the kingdom. Who trusts like a little child, who receives Jesus like a little child, will enter the kingdom. John Piper says this, Have you ever asked why God designed the world so that the human race multiplies by having babies that take years to become adults? Why didn't God design the human race so that we would multiply like earthworms? One adult splits to become another adult. He could have done it that way or any number of ways. Why did God ordain that there be children and not just adults? At the heart of the answer is this. Children stand for something. They point to something. They represent something. They signify something bigger than themselves. They stand for the kind of dependence and helplessness and need and insufficiency and faith that is required of adults to enter the kingdom of God. To such as these, Piper says, belongs the kingdom. 
That's the meaning of their unique existence. They point the way to salvation. To such as these belong the kingdom. Jesus loves the little children and he loves to make an example out of them because it's just like these little children who are completely dependent, trusting and ready to receive. Adults have to be like that in order to enter the kingdom. They've got to humble themselves. They don't come to Jesus with a PhD or an MDiv or a a master's in theology, anything like that. They come to Jesus like a child. William Lane, a theologian, said this, the demand that a man become as a little child calls for a fresh realization that he is utterly helpless in his relationship to the kingdom. The kingdom that is which God gives and and that which a man receives. It may be entered only by one who knows he is helpless and small without claim or merit. The unchildlike piety of achievement must be abandoned in the recognition that to receive the kingdom is to allow oneself to be given it. Salvation is a gift of grace. By grace, you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no man can boast. If you're here today and you've been trying to come to God like an adult, having figured everything out, being an expert on everything. Can I tell you today, you can't come to Jesus that way. You got to come to Jesus like a child, like a little child. You've got to know that you have nothing to bring. You have nothing to merit you before a holy God. I remember Bill McTeer in the last years of his life, when he came to saving faith in Christ, he said, it's euphoria. It's euphoria, grace. And he said, to think that the only thing that I contributed to my salvation was my sin. And God graciously forgave me. You don't clean yourself up to come to Jesus You come recognizing that you have nothing to bring. You're helpless. You're helpless and in need of God's saving grace. Then you lift up your arms. Say, Jesus, I need you. There's no other way. If you don't value the children, if you think that you're above them, Maybe today is a day of repentance, of reevaluating how you view the kingdom. And maybe some of you today need to come to Jesus. And maybe others of you need to serve in the nursery. But don't, let's, don't walk out of here. Just say, nice sermon, that was good, it's time to go eat. 
There's things that we need to consider and ways that we need to apply this text to our lives. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you know exactly what we need. You know exactly where we are. And I pray that you would touch each of our hearts and pinpoint exactly what you want to do in each of our hearts. Lord, maybe some of us just need to humble ourselves and quit thinking so much of ourselves. Maybe some of us need to love children more. And maybe some of us need to serve more in helping families raise up children to know Christ. Lord, I pray that you would just have your way among us, that you would open eyes to see the glory of Jesus, that that you would save sinners today. Lord, grant faith. You're the only one who can grant saving faith. Please do that. We are helpless without you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.